The 2023 Yushan Forum opened on Wednesday, drawing political figures from around the world. They include former Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison and Japanese lawmaker Furuya Keiji. There was also former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Kelly Kraft, who stressed her country's commitment to Taiwan. Speaking at the event, President Tsai Ing-wen reiterated that Taiwan is a secure and reliable partner, eager to cooperate with the world to ensure peace and prosperity. Now in its seventh edition, the Yushan Forum brings global leaders to Taiwan each year for dialogue on regional development. It's the opening ceremony of the Yushan Forum, organized by the Taiwan Asia Exchange Foundation. In attendance were top officials, including President Tsai Ing-wen, Nauru President Russ Joseph Kuhn, former Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison, former U.S. Ambassador to the UN Kelly Kraft, and Japanese lawmaker Furuya Keiji, who led a parliamentary delegation to Taiwan. A consistent message has emerged that is peace and stability in the Indo-Pacific region are essential to the security and prosperity of the international community. We are sending a message to the world. Taiwan is a secure and reliable partner. This is a sign of the sense of urgency that Taiwan is a global hotspot. China has been steadily building up its armament and introducing legislation. And when combined with China's erratic behavior of unilaterally changing the status quo through force. The Yushan Forum is a platform for dialogue in Asia initiated by Taiwan. Kraft, while still serving as U.S. ambassador to the U.N., had announced plans to visit Taiwan in 2021. The trip was cancelled due to U.S. domestic politics, but she's finally made it several years later. It is the duty of those of us who respect democracy, who have concerns about the international order to give Taiwan support and assurance while it is under this menacing shadow. I am here to assure you my belief in the firm U.S. commitment to Taiwan's defense. I was proud to support our commitment to Taipei during my service. Indo-Pacific nations, including the U.S. and Japan, are showing the support for Taiwan, undeterred by threats from Beijing. With fewer than 100 days until the elections, Taiwan's presidential contenders are staking out positions on key issues, one of which is social housing. Where exactly do they stand? To get answers, the Social Housing Advocacy Consortium met the DPP's Lai Qingde, the KMT's Hoyoyi, and Ke Wenzhe of the Taiwan People's Party. At a press event on Wednesday, the civic group said each candidate brought some promising ideas to the table. They chant slogans for housing justice. The Social Housing Advocacy Consortium, an alliance of 13 civic groups, met with presidential candidates Lai Qingde, Ho Youyi, and Ke Wenzhe to compare their policies on social housing. I think Vice President Lai Qingde is very clear. As part of the ruling administration, he stresses the continuation of existing policies. He aims to build new construction on government land. Besides that, the next phase will focus on a large-scale push for urban development. The group applauded Lai for his social housing target, raising the Thai administration's promised 200,000 units to 500,000 units.
It praised Ho's plan to build social housing near public transit and to crack down on vacant units. It also approved of Ko's proposal for a social housing SOP. But the group said that the devil was in the details. Next year, we will have social housing from both the central government and local governments, but the rent management systems for each of them may differ. So I think unifying these mechanisms into one system should be a top priority. The Social Housing Advocacy Consortium presented six proposals to the candidates, diversifying the ways in which social housing projects are started, making rents more affordable, having social housing projects be steered by local governments as opposed to the central government, incorporating a waiting list of social housing applicants, reviewing mechanisms for rental management, and introducing social housing welfare programs. The responses we received from the three candidates were quite positive. As long as we can all agree on the Ministry of Health and Welfare strengthening social housing policies, further issues can be discussed. With just over three months before the 2024 presidential election, the group is asking candidates to commit to solving Taiwan's long-standing housing problems. Over the past decade, Taiwan has lost 43 firefighters in the line of duty. Lawmakers say that robots should be used more widely to fight fires in order to save human lives. At a Wednesday press event, DPP lawmakers urged the central government to provide robots and drones to all fire departments. They said the funding should come directly from a special budget or be earmarked from the forward-looking infrastructure plan. Just last month, a fire at a Pingdong golf ball factory caused hundreds of casualties, including four firefighters who died in the line of duty. The toll of the disaster was massive due to a large supply of chemicals at the site. Lawmakers are pressing for the greater use of firefighting robots to protect human lives. The floor plan provided by launch technologies wasn't complete. In particular, it did not clearly identify the presence of chemical substances. So we want to urge the government to fully equip firefighters with robots and drones. That's what we're asking for today. We hope to pass amendments to the Toxic and Concerned Chemical Substances Control Act. Launch technologies stored an amount of chemicals that exceeded the safety limit. This led to the explosions, which caused firefighters to lose control of the situation and ultimately their lives. The lawmaker called for swift revisions to the Chemicals Management Act. He also urged more training for rescue personnel. Launch Technologies had kept 3,000 kilograms of organic peroxides at the factory, exceeding the economics ministry's limit by 300 times. The National Fire Agency's budget shouldn't be drafted year by year. A budget should be allocated directly. This could come out of the special budget or the fifth installment of the forward-looking infrastructure plan. We need to give firefighting units all the necessary equipment they lack, especially the equipment that legislator Wu Qiming mentioned earlier, disaster mitigation technology. We need to fully equip them in one go. Over the past decade, 43 firefighters have died in the line of duty. The government is urged to fully equip fire departments, giving priority to units in industrial areas to protect more human lives. The Emerald Knights marching band boarded a flight back to Japan on Wednesday after performing in Taiwan's National Day Parade. 
At the airport, the students smiled and waved at local media, declaring, I love Taiwan in Mandarin Chinese. Their host in Taiwan, the General Association of Chinese Culture, presented them with a one-of-a-kind stamp collection. The customized stamps feature moments from their five-day visit. The time here was very brief, but they had some iconic moments, so we collaborated with a postal company. They were extremely helpful. Within 24 hours, they rushed out nearly 200 stamp folios. We hope the students will bring these stamps back to Japan, taking memories of Taiwan back home. Meanwhile, the UCLA Bruin Marching Band continued on its Taiwan itinerary. The American students, who also performed in the parade, spent Wednesday at the National Taiwan University of Arts in New Taipei. On Friday, they will perform at a temple in Jia'i, and on the following day, they'll perform with junior high students in front of the Jia'i County Government Building before returning to the U.S. on Sunday. It's water bamboo season in New Taipei. The distinctive vegetable is ready to harvest in October and November, and this year New Taipei is making the harvest an attraction. The city is holding a water bamboo festival, which includes tasting events, games, and farm visits. At a press conference to launch the festival, New Taipei Deputy Mayor Liu Heran tried his hand at preparing the plant for the kitchen and explained what activities are in store. A series of delectable water bamboo dishes is served, paired with salted egg yolks, chicken soup or tomatoes and zucchini, or roasted with a herb marinade. October is when our most important water bamboo harvest begins. We have three varieties coming out one after another. At Mid-Autumn Festival, we have the first variety, which is short. The middle variety is longer, and it's at its peak right now. The water bamboo of Sanji Township is the red shell variety, larger and sweeter than others. Young farmers were at the event to show how to peel them. You simply break off the skin, slice down the center, and it's done. New Taipei Deputy Mayor Liu Heran was keen to give it a go. <laughs> and he urged the public to consider a water bamboo holiday in Sanji. We have some promotions on weekends and some games and experiences, such as a chance to go into the water bamboo fields to experience that. The main thing is people can come to Sanju to experience the whole atmosphere of the water bamboo harvest season and how delicious it is. Sampling the water bamboo is of course a major attraction, but with all these activities on offer, it could also become a whole day of family fun. We are now well into flu season, with flu-related doctor's visits topping 110,000 last week. The Taiwan CDC reported that 11 people had died of the flu in the week ending on October 9th. Seven of them had not received a flu vaccine. Since October 2nd, publicly funded flu shots have been available to high-risk groups. Free pneumococcal vaccinations are also available to vulnerable groups. On the COVID-19 front, Moderna's updated shot rolled out to the general public on Wednesday. The vaccine targets the Omicron subvariant XBB 1.5. The vaccine can be given to individuals aged 5 and older, provided that there's a three-month gap from their last dose. 
With the world emerging from the pandemic, Taiwan is nearing its goal of attracting 6 million tourists this year. To drive the momentum, the executive yuan has released a two-minute video showcasing Taiwan's stunning vistas, delicious foods and even dancing drag queens. And there's a surprise at the end, a familiar face enjoying a traditional Taiwanese breakfast. Let's find out who it is. How would you like to spend time in Taiwan? Beaten eggs are poured on a sizzling griddle and covered with a handmade pancake. This is Taiwanese street food, cheap and exceptionally tasty. Or connect with the land. With stunning landscapes and diverse cuisines, Taiwan offers plenty for international tourists to discover. It's my first time in Taiwan. It looked like an interesting place, so I came over. I'm looking forward to trying Taiwanese food. I'm really excited about that. It's my first time visiting Taiwan, and I'm very happy. I'll be here for four days starting today. I bet I'm in for a lot of interesting experiences. Fresh off the plane, visitors are eager to explore every corner of the country. With post-pandemic travel booming, the Transport Ministry aims to attract 6 million international tourists to experience Taiwan this year. The executive yuan has released a promo titled Time for Taiwan. It highlights scenic spots, delectable bites, and even dancing drag queens in a showcase of diversity. There's also a surprise appearance by President Tsai Ing-wen. Seated at a food stall, she enjoys an egg pancake with a large ice milk tea, proving the perfect ambassador for a traditional Taiwanese breakfast. Time for Taiwan. The two-minute video peeks into the sights and bites that Taiwan has to offer. It will be distributed worldwide by government agencies and overseas missions to put Taiwan on the map as a travel destination. For the first time in nine years, the National Day Fireworks Show was held in Taichung Tuesday night. But instead of sparking joy, the 36-minute extravaganza ignited public anger. It was scheduled to start at 8 p.m., but the display was set off 20 minutes early due to shorter-than-expected speeches by the guests of honor. City officials have admitted flaws in their planning and issued a public apology. For the sake of a smooth program flow, the fireworks were launched 20 minutes early. However, this led to some people to miss the show. This was indeed a flaw in our planning. With regard to this issue, the city government expresses its sincere apology. Does the schedule have any meaning? Did they not rehearse before the event? There was no dress rehearsal? Did the host do nothing to manage the proceedings? All the speakers were so considerate, thinking, the public loves seeing fireworks, so I'll make my remarks brief. The speeches were over so very quickly. What could we have done? Had the president and mayor get up on stage and dance? The city government had also planned a display by drones to accompany the fireworks. But the performance was cancelled due to safety considerations. More than a dozen private drones had flown into the airspace above the venue, causing severe signal interference. Because President Tsai was president, the disturbance was also a national security concern, and the show was called off at the last minute. And speaking of drones, Taiwan's government is working hard to build a national drone team, a coalition of manufacturers who can produce made-in-Taiwan drones. That's partly inspired by the example of the Ukraine war, 
where drones have played a key military role. Currently, Taiwan's military drones are well-developed, but there aren't too many Taiwanese drones for civil use. Supply chains are reliant on Chinese parts, which could be a security risk in the future. Experts say expanding the use of drones among the general public and promoting made-in-Taiwan products are key to building up a robust drone supply chain that does not depend on China. As the use of drones is popularized, many people are joining drone classes to get the drone license from the Civil Aviation Administration. We used to farm in our family, and I saw a video of drones spreading pesticides. If we can apply it in farming, maybe we can enhance efficiency. I've seen how they use camera drones in all kinds of natural disaster situations. It's a trend that will definitely continue in the future. And drone handling is even appearing in the general education curriculums of universities like Taipei University of Marine Technology to improve civil defense capacities. In general education classes, we have drone training classes, and we've even brought them into our military training classes. Students are extremely enthusiastic about it, because drones are quite new, either as an industry or as a new topic of study. The government is gathering a national drone team, a coalition of cooperating industries, but most drones made in Taiwan right now are for military use. Chinese manufacturers have more than 90% of the market of civil-use drones. How can Taiwan get a foot in the door? It's pretty much a wasteland in terms of education, the consumer market and the camera drone market. With great difficulty, you source the right components and you realize the specifications are lacking. Maybe they only have one or two standardized parts. Then you spend two or three months just constantly testing them. But in China, they've already been developing all this for more than a decade, and they've already reached something like the 15th iteration. Chinese brands have relied on large government subsidies to capture the global market. But in Taiwan, where the supply chain for components is still under construction, manufacturing costs are three times as high. Some companies are breaking into the market with drones for educational purposes and striving for 100% made in Taiwan. But with so few Taiwan-made drones on the consumer market, if they want to apply for a Taiwan-made MIT Smile logo, regulators don't yet have clear criteria. If there's a consensus on the need for it, then we will do it. That is, we will set criteria for testing and talk with associations to understand their needs. If there is a need, then we will initiate the process. The government is encouraging manufacturers to avoid China in their supply chains to minimize data security concerns. But Chinese drones are able to dominate the market with low prices. To get Taiwanese manufacturing up to scale in everything from optical lenses, silicon chips and software and make the best use of Taiwan's IT industry, the key challenge is to increase drone usage among the general public. A team of National Taiwan University students has triumphed at an endurance race in the Gobi Desert. Held in China's Gansu province, the Gobi Desert Challenge is an experiential race for MBA programs. After three years' hiatus, it was back in action this fall. 
A team of 33 from NTU were there to represent Taiwan. The complex race features several types of terrain and all the variables of running in a desert. Travelers ride camels through the Gobi Desert, but the highlight of the trip is yet to come. Undaunted by the sun blazing above them, the contestants charge forward to begin this 121-kilometer race. They'll traverse the Gobi Desert for four days and three nights. Along the way, they'll face rope descent challenges and walk through the desert on foot. The Black Gobi region is covered in gravely saline alkaline soil, finer than flour. It's gorgeous hills and unpredictable terrain, as well as sandstorms that roll in without warning, make this no ordinary race. Each night, the team has a strategy talk to calibrate their strength and speed. It's a big achievement to successfully complete the Xuanzang Road in these stressful conditions. The team embraces each other at the finish line. We truly are the fastest team in NTU's history. Our race has not been in vain. It was fantastic. Yeah. Actually, the most important thing was to get to this point with this dear team of kindred spirits. The 33 members of the NTU team completed the Gobi Desert Challenge on October 4th with a time of 10 hours, 39 minutes and 42 seconds. <laughs>